Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm very excited to have tonight's guest. Before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book, which is A Gift from Adversity. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. I had experienced all of this growing up in Japan and really suffered with mental health problems and PTSD and panic attack. And I felt very compelled to tell my story through my publication. It is available on Amazon. After I published my book, I had many people reached out to me from all over the places that they also are a survivor of sexual abuse and survivor of many adversities. And I felt very compelled to create a platform where people can talk about the adversity tools that they use to overcome and a gift that came from it. And I am so grateful that people are brave to share their adversities. And so far, since the beginning of this podcast, I've had wonderful guests from all over the world. Tonight, I'm introducing Bak Harris, who is an actor and amazing fan. So let's invite Bak to our show. Hi, Bak. How are you doing? Hi, Joey. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So can you tell our audience who you are and what you do? Sorry, say again? Can you tell our audience your name, who you are, and then what you do? My name is Vac Harris, and I'm a aspiring actor. Great. So, Vac, I know you have been on many different movies. Can you please tell our audience just a little bit of your acting experiences and where people can find you, your social media, maybe IMDb? Can you tell our audience? Yes. Well, um, I have had the pleasure of doing uh, music videos, uh, web series, future films, short films, and student films. Uh, you can find me on Vac Harris um, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Vac Harris, and Snapchat as well. Everything Vac Harris. Great. And then people can also find you on IMDb and see your reels and photos. Yes, I am on IMDb as well. As well. Great. Before we move on to our main subject, which is adversity, would you tell our audience maybe what is the funnest thing, like the most joy you have as an actor? As an actor, I enjoy getting into different characters and being on set with people that's... Uh, trying to break into the industry as well. Great, thank you so much for sharing that. So let's dive into our main topic, which is the adversity. Can you share our audience about your adversity? Well, I'm like all of us, you know, we're constantly facing um, adversities. Uh, but I would say for me, the biggest is growing up 
um, without my parents. What happened? Well, my father was seldom around. You know, he worked doing various businesses. Um, so he was in and out of the country. Uh, my mother, when she left, when I was very young, she hadn't had the opportunity to come back. So I grew up with uh, different family members, foster care. Um, and until I was 18, I was able to sign myself into a uh, job corps and pretty much been on my own since. And after that, what happened? After? After you started Job Corps? After I started Job Corps, I um, completed the program and I moved here to Rhode Island, where I've been ever since. And did you experience any more adversity after you moved out from the foster program and oh, started yeah. Job Corps? Oh yeah, of course. Would you um, share that with us? Well, I'm first, you know, growing up without parents is, um, it's a struggle for everybody, you know, and um, not having my mother around, not having my father around has been hard as far as not being able to um, get advice, you know, going through certain things, not being able to turn to my parents. So um, that was, that was very hard growing up in foster care, being in group homes, was hard as well, you know, being being picked on a lot, you know. But um, the good thing about that was being around people such as myself that was going through the same thing. So we was able to lean on each other for, you know, help at times and, and advice. So it was like a fifth and curse. So for the audience that really don't understand the word growing up without parents mm -hmm. i think a lot of people who are really fortunate to have parents around and hear these things i don't think people can grasp the magnitude of impact you kind of mentioned that a little bit but do you remember specific feelings of growing up, maybe comparing yourself to other kids or maybe self-doubt? Like, you know, what kind of psychological effect do you think you experienced as a child? Oh, um, definitely abandoned, you know, let down, um, like a disappointment. You know, definitely seeing other kids with uh, their parents. Um, I could see how fortunate you know some people really don't understand but it's fortunate to have not just one of your parents but both and uh for me i just felt like abandoned most of the time and did you have to be responsible for like maybe your siblings or like any kind of responsibility that you had growing up well um Growing up, um, I went to Liberia at the young age of 11. And at the time when I went, it was it was very hard. We grew up with uh, no running water, no electricity. Um, certain things that we take advantage of here in the United States, we didn't have 
in um in Liberia. So I had to grow up very quickly, you know, and be very responsible at a young age. So um yeah. And how long were you in Liberia? So you were born in the United States, but you went to Liberia. And how long yeah. were you there? I was there from 94 to 96. So from 11 to 13. And how did it like affect your life? Like, you no, know, since you were in America with this, you know, waters and all that stuff, then, then all of a sudden you have this different completely different life it taught me to be grateful for one you know i um learned not to take advantage of the smallest smallest things that we have but um definitely it taught me how to be grateful and how did you come back again to america well, when I first went, I my aunt had sent me on a passport saying that I was a, a Liberian citizen, which I was not. So fortunately, my mother was able to get my documents from the embassy in Liberia, and uh, I was able to come back once the war broke out in Liberia. So the war broke out. Did you witness any violence or significant event oh yeah a lot um i've seen child soldiers uh kids my age some younger um carrying rifles um machetes uh, it was very violent very violent especially um when you're in a place where you don't have the resources or the ability to take care of yourself and your family you know, people resort to a lot of different things, which is what I see in Liberia. So you were able to escape from there and come back to America? Fortunately, yeah. Do you remember the process? Um, like I said, my mother was able to get our documents from the embassy and we was able to get airlifted back to the United States. Then when you come back, when you came back to America, that you were now living with other family or foster home? When I first came back in 96, I was with my dad for about the first year before he decided he was going back to Liberia. So once he left to go back to Liberia, I was um, in foster care. Me and my older brother went from group home to group home until I was 18 and I was able to sign myself out. So just to let our audience know that I had a nonprofit um, from age 26 for about 12 years. And in the process that I worked with the clients from DYS, Department of Youth Services, and DCF, Department of Children and Family. And I actually went to teach at a group home and I met clearly, like remember this 10 years old girl and I was trying to teach her piano, but she was shaking like a lot. And then I asked her if she was okay. And then she said, they just found another group home. And apparently that was her 18th home at age 10. 
And she said, oh, they probably gonna die soon. And she had a really like cold reality outlook at age 10. I felt really sad. And I can't imagine at age 10 that you have to live with 18 different families. That's terrible. Um, unfortunately, that is that is the case for a lot of people that end up in foster care. It's constant, constant moving around. You know, like um, we went from different schools. We never really stayed in one school. So our focus wasn't really on the lesson like it should have been, you know, and um, it was, it was, it was a survival thing, you know, we had to learn how to survive before anything. So you had to switch school every time you changed the foster family? Constantly. How did it affect you as a child? I was angry a lot. I was very angry. Um, feeling unwanted, you know, um, not knowing what's to come. I'm very sorry to hear this and my heart breaks for you and then your childhood and then what you have to endure at such a young age. And I feel that, you know, as you know, hard as it is, like, did you feel there was somebody growing up that was your advocate or you have to kind of advocate for yourself and your need? My brother and my sister, you know, they was um, there for me a lot. Um, they fought battles for me. You know, they would always talk me out of certain things. We was there to lift one another up. You know, and um, it it sucks because you know sometimes when I tell people I was in foster care, like you know they they feel bad for me, but that was one time in my life where I felt free. You know, I could be a kid. Um, I had uh, uh, clothes, friends. We went on trips. I learned different things, met different people. So even though it was a uh, un it wasn't fortunate for me growing up, but I had fun, you know? I wasn't I wasn't with family members that was mistreating me or, you know, it was different. It was a different kind of love from other people that was in the foster care, you know, along with me. So it wasn't all that bad. Have you stayed in touch with some of the host host family? Oh yeah, of course. And are they proud of you of who you became? Yeah. Um the the group home is different from you know being with a, a foster family. I wasn't with a family. It was a a bunch of young boys like myself living in one home. You know, so we had uh, staff supervisors that was pretty much running the house. I see. Um, so after you said you got a job core, what kind of job core that you are doing? Job core is a, a program 
that um teaches, you know, gives you a trade. So you go to Job Corps, you learn a trade, you get your GED, and then you move on into the real world. So what I did was building a part of maintenance, which was painting, plumbing, and uh, electrician. And um, I got my certificate six months later, uh, got my GED, and I moved to Rhode Island. And that was when you were like 18? Yeah. So after you got these traits and you started to live on your own and it started to work? Mm-hmm. I came to Rhode Island, but um, I was unfocused. So when I came out here, I got myself into a lot of trouble, you know, and I had to learn from a lot of my mistakes before I found the right path. Like, what kind of mistakes now you're an adult that maybe i don't know if you feel uh okay to share or not share um violence for one gang violence um you know i i never had a steady girlfriend you know which now is the reason why i have three children's mothers but i, I love all three of my kids but i just was um wasn't focused on doing the right thing you know, I was living a reckless life. And, you know, that, that comes from me not being guided growing up. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you got to learn from your own mistakes and create a path for yourself. And as a young adult, like going through that, not really probably understanding the psychological effect that you endured growing up, and throughout maybe 20s or 30s, like, did you go through more of adversity or you kind of picked yourself up to a different level? Um, it, was, it, was, it was constant, you know, it was always a constant battle. Um, not really having uh, uh, the education and trying to find a job. Um, I, I never really stuck with one job, you know, I was always going from one job to another until I decided that I wasn't going to be anybody's um, employee. So once I went to a barber school, um, I learned how to cut hair. Uh, I was working at barber shops and never really worked a nine to five cents. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story. And then I just want to really appreciate you for coming to my podcast today and then really sharing your true life story and unimaginable adversity that you have to go through. And I have a question that maybe is not um, too generic, but more a little bit personal. So I'm an Asian female where I was expected to devote my life to men and I was trained to serve men and I was trained in Japan to be patient and to not reveal my weaknesses and wear a social mask, go to work, be a perfect wife and 
that is my cultural background. And you have a Liberian background, an African-American man background. Do you think those biases or expectation being in your position kind of disadvantaged you for maybe going through this adversity where maybe you couldn't express yourself enough or reach out for help? Um, I, th- I think more so that was um, growing up in a neighborhood that I grew up in. I grew up in a tough neighborhood. And if you showed, showed any sign of weakness, consider yourself done, you know? So we always had to be strong regardless, you know? So growing up tough, growing up strong, you know, not vulnerable was just a part of, you know, the lifestyle. How can you explain that to audience who really don't understand that part of it? Like, say, I'm Japanese, mm-hmm. and in Japan, there's not so much of tough neighborhood. It's, like, really safe. And... I know it because I work with the DYS clients and I know the neighborhood issues and then the toughness. Can you explain a little bit more about why you have to be in a tough neighborhood where you you said you're done if you show your vulnerability? Because people tend to prey on the weak, you know, and if you don't want to be considered big, got to be strong. You know, you can't show that you're weak. So prey on weakness. Yeah. That is really cruel because in a way, when you are going through a lot of things Mm -hmm. that you should have help, you should have advocacy service and you should really get lifted up from the bad situation. But instead, the people around you preyed on your weakness when you needed the help. Watching it as grow up, grown up eyes, that explains what kind of life you had. Do you have any perspective now you are kind of grown from it? Oh, yeah. Um, going through everything that I went through when I was younger, you know, not having my parents. Um, being picked on a lot, uh, being abused by relatives that were supposed to raise me and love me. Um, I I had this view, like, it's an ugly world, so I'm going to go ahead and be ugly right along with it. But um, not until, you know, I had my kids and, and, and I had a change in, in perspective I started to see things different, you know, and understand that the way I view things is going to determine my life outcome. So I had to change the way I think in order to change the way I live. Yeah, so let's shift to the second question, which is the tool 
that you use to overcome. You kind of mentioned that now, but I just want to highlight all the guests that came to my show had so many different ways to cope their adversities. And then regardless of race, countries, and I had guests from Scotland, Germany, like Denmark, and all over Canada, um, America, I feel adversity is a universal language where people struggle to find their ways to basically pick themselves up from the situation. And then on the journey, during the journey that they use so many different tools where typical people who never endured this magnitude of adversities, that they just say, oh, find a therapist, you're gonna be fine. I can just talk to the therapist. And that's really not the solution. And I'm sure you had a share of coping skills or tools that you use to overcome these adversities. And what are the tangible tools that you used to cope and overcome these extreme adversities? Um, for me, strength. You know, definitely strength, you know, believing that just because you're having a, a bad day, tomorrow's going to be better. So I just always try to, not always, started to have a positive outlook on life and, you know, a better tomorrow. But, you know, people lean on different things. You got people that, you know, lean on religion. You have people that, you know, talk to psychiatrists. You have some people that just don't really cope well with none of that stuff. So they, they conceal it but it's whatever works for you, you know? And do you said that you are an actor. Do you find acting to be one of your potentially coping skills? It did help me. Um, it, it helped me a lot, you know, in uh, 2005, 2006, I had severe depression and, um, Acting helped me a lot, and I, I didn't know, you know, I, I kind of stumbled upon it, and, you know, once I started getting involved with acting, I realized how it helped me with my depression a lot. Like, how so? Can you explain, explain for, especially people who had never acted in their lives, yeah. and who might have been struggling with depression, you recommend it? And if so, like, how do you think the acting world can help cope the depression? Um, for me, you know, like I said, growing up the way I did, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like my life. I wasn't really comfortable with who Vac was. So being another character, being anybody else but Vac, you know, helped me. really interesting i recently had a guest who had burnt out and then really had a breakdown um she changed her name completely because she just didn't like the pastor and then she just legally changed her name it's funny because i i i thought about that too you know but my, my my mother gave me the name the can rat after my great grandfather who was a president of liberia and um, I didn't like the name because I always got teased. People couldn't pronounce my name right, so I was teased a lot. 
And um, when I started boxing, a lot of people started calling me Tyson. So that's what I what I leaned on. And um, at a point, I felt like I'm going to change my name from Vac to Tyson because it sounds better. It's easier for people to pronounce. And um, But that's just who I am, you know? So I stick with it. You know, it's interesting because my original name, I don't know if you know, was Shigeta, which is Japanese traditional last name. Yeah. And I Shigeta, S-H-I-G-E-T-A. And I change it to love l-o-v-e because love has such a good frequency and when i changed when i became citizenship you're, you're a citizen you can change the name for free of charge <laughs> so i took advantage of changing my name and i truly did not like my last name because it was my father's last name uh and my father is my perpetrator and i really wanted to cut tie with his, you know, presence. And then one of the empowering moment was when I changed my last name. So it's interesting that acting, basically you are thrown up to do anything, a killer. <laughs> in, my, in the movie that I, we worked together, Go Chase Yourself, you got killed. And I got killed, I, I died. Like I was dead body and then I died in Don't Look Up which I didn't know that I was going to die yeah. in the movie. So we live different lives and then different characters. And then to me, acting like you is so much fun and just being immersed to a completely, completely different world that's created by, you know, the producer, director, team. And such a blessing, such an amazing opportunity to live through somebody's eyes. And then we talked about the adversities, you know, outside of this program. But I think what I can, I'm from Japan and I can relate to you is that when growing up and have no advocacy for you and there's absolutely no help and you have to rise above from ashes, and adversities that it's almost like living in a fantasy or dream world that you had hoped growing up when you are in like movie set on a movie set would you agree i agree i agree um you know when i first first started one thing that I had a hard time with was being vulnerable because you have to pretty much wear your emotions on, the, on your sleeve. And I had a problem showing my emotions. And sometimes when you get into these, these characters, you know, even though you're showing the character, the emotions of the character, those are emotions that you're bringing up from within, you know? So, I did have a problem showing that vulnerability until, you know, I'm very comfortable with it, you know? It's life, you know? We're trying to imitate life. We're trying to bring other characters out for you to see, so. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I have a quick question about the strengths. You mentioned that one of the coping skills and tools that you use to overcome is the strengths. 
when people can't find your strengths, the days that you are just so depressed and you don't even want to get up from your bed or you just don't want to do anything, like how do you even find strengths for like some of those days? I think about my why, you know, why I'm doing it. That's my strength. You know, I got to be strong for my kids. I got to be strong for my girl. I got to be strong for myself. I got to be strong for, you know, my siblings that have bad days. You know, because we're here until we're not. You know, so until then, we got to keep on going. And through the discovery of the strength, like what kind of maybe perspective that you learned? To be yourself, you know, to, to, you know, a lot of times people worry about being, being judged, but, you know, you gotta be you, appreciate who you are, regardless what, how anybody looks at you, you gotta be open to appreciating who you are so somebody else can appreciate you. Well, that's really deep and I appreciate um, you sharing that. So let's move on to the last question, which is a gift that came from your adversity. So how would you say to our audience the gift that came from your adversity? Well, I want to say um, me not having my mother, right? I um, was with a bunch of different women. I have three children, and um, that is my gift, my three kids. That's my gift. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This was my vision and this has been my goals to create this platform so people can learn from our stories, sharing and normalizing the difficult conversation where people can feel safe and take out the stigma and learn from each other. Thank you so much for being here. Indeed. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I would like to give you a last word for people who are listening to this podcast. Do you have any inspirational encouragement word for people who may be going through some of the adversities that you mentioned or being feeling really bad for their days? Tomorrow's another day. Stay strong, you know, keep your head up and look forward to a better tomorrow. Well, thank you for that. My five years old daughter was telling me, oh, just put the bad days behind and look for a good day. She's a smart girl. She's um, the most courageous human being I've ever met at five years old. So anyways, thank you again, back for coming to A Gift From Adversity. Thank you, Jerry. Absolutely. And thank you to our audience. 
for listening to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. I have wonderful guests coming in the month of April and May. And I'm very excited to share our stories in the future and check out all the episodes on Agif Farm University on Anchor, Spotify, and also Facebook, YouTube. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great night.